Welcome to The John Chapman Show, where we talk about the path of a wealthy millennial, uncovering the truth about building and protecting your nest egg. Join us on this journey as we hear the stories of millennials and mentors alike to help you plan, manage, and protect your wealth. John is an employee of Worth Point LLC. All opinions expressed by John and podcast guests are solely their own opinion and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Worth Point. This podcast should not be relied upon for investment decisions and is for informational purposes only. Hey everyone, it's John Chapman. Welcome back to the podcast. So excited to have you here and appreciate your time. Do you ever have those times where you just get a lightning bolt idea so much so that it keeps you up at night and then you're like grabbing your phone and scrambling to journal and take notes just so you can get it off of your brain and then hopefully get to sleep? That was me last week when Jake Dunlap, the CEO of Scaled, He's super influential in software sales world and sales consulting. If you haven't checked him out, by the way, you should do that on his LinkedIn page. But at any rate, he went through a bunch of content on his LinkedIn. He did a three-part series specifically calling out aspiring VPs, and he gave them 10 things to be thinking about with maybe some tips and encouragement along the way. And I really enjoyed it, especially because software sales has been on my mind. Everything he said was so awesome and very enlightening. I totally agreed with a lot of it. And of all the 10 things he said, three specifically stood out. Again, with my financial planning cap on, I was thinking about it more from a finance perspective than I was a job and career perspective. But nonetheless, Three things that he talked about is, first, your hard work will likely produce a million dollars in savings. No guarantee, of course, and not that that's the goal that we have to be striving to, but it was one of his comments. The other thing that he talked about was the ability as a VP of sales or someone in that context, especially within the software world, will likely have the ability to impact thousands of people via some type of leadership role and just the encouragement to be a servant leader and take the appropriate philosophy and mindset. That was the second thing, which I thought was so cool. And the last thing that he talked about was the reality that you are going to change jobs. This person is going to change jobs likely multiple times over their career. And more than that, may even have the potential to be fired and let go, which then made me think of that funny scene from Step Brothers at the beginning when they're at the wedding. Oh, it was so, so good. And so, again, what I wanted to go through today is instead of breaking down all three things, all three of those things were so cool and they resonated. And while I wanted to respond actually to all of them in this podcast, I realized I just had too much to talk about. And so I did a short video response on my LinkedIn. If you haven't seen that, make sure to go check it out. It's titled Aspiring VPs, My Response to Jake Dunlap. But today, we're just going to focus in on one area, and that is first, the ability to save over a million dollars. And we're just going to break that down. I had something that came to my mind, which was, you know what? Not all a million dollars is created equally. Well, what do I mean by that? Not all a million dollars is created equally. Well, I mean that a million dollars can be saved and accumulated in different manners. Take, for example, a retirement account, like a 401k or an IRA, or a deferred non-compensation plan if you're a real baller and you're an executive. Also, you can accumulate a million dollars through 
company stock or cash bonuses or just simply a diversified mix of investments. Of course, you can also accumulate a million dollars via real estate, either your primary home or an investment property. So using these as three as an example, you can start to see not all a million dollars is created equally. So that's what I want to dive into today, guys. And specifically within all of those categories, I'm going to talk about the three T's, the timing, the taxes, and the tools. That's right. So for each of these three categories, retirement, stock, and real estate, we're going to go through timing, taxes, and tools. I love the alliteration. So that you have a better sense of as you're saving and growing and building your net worth, what, what it might look like on the other end of that. You know, I'm a big fan of Stephen Covey. In his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, the first two things are simply, one, be proactive, which I love, and number two, start with the end in mind. So that's what we're doing right now. We're going to start with the end in mind, meaning we're going to think forward 5, 10, 15, or 20 years or more into the future as you have progressed through your life and your career and worked towards some stage of financial independence. And we're going to assume that we've got a million dollars in these three different assets. And we're going to go through some of the implications there. Now, I worked at Fidelity, as some of you know, for six and a half years, wonderful experience. But during that time, it was almost entirely spent with baby boomers, people that are 65 and up. And so during that time, I got to see what it actually looked like because a lot of these folks had accumulated a million dollars and sometimes in lots of different formats. They were multimillionaires, not only in their retirement accounts, but their stocks and their real estate. And so it was a great opportunity for me to see, hmm, each of these can be leveraged and used in a specific and unique way. And sometimes certain personalities lend themselves to one versus the other. Also, different hobbies or goals or aspirations also lend themselves better to one versus the other. Or maybe if you have an opportunity to focus your energy on saving maybe in one versus the other, that might be helpful to think about today. So with that intro, let's start to dive into it. Let's talk about saving a million dollars in your retirement account. One of the first things that we can think of is just do some quick financial calculator and map out how many years or what the rate of return you need to get or how much you need to save to get to a million dollars. So let's do a quick calculation and then let's forecast in the future sometime, let's say maybe at your age 60, And let's start to talk about timing, taxes, and tools with a million dollars in a retirement account. Sound good? Let's dive into it. Okay, let's get into the calculations to get to a million dollars within our retirement account. I'm going to bust out my financial planning calculator here so we can nerd out. There are five inputs that we need to have for this. Our present value, future value, how much we're saving, our payment into it, what we're going to grow it at our interest rate, and then the years. How, what's the length of time that we can do? So let's put in our, our known things. And we're going to make lots of assumptions, but we do know we want to get to, in the future, a million dollars. So that's our future value. And let's make an assumption that we're starting today with a total retirement savings of $200,000. Maybe that's your current 401k and some of your old 401ks, or maybe between you and your spouse. But let's start with $200,000. And then 
Remember, you can put in up to $19,000 into your 401k if you're under age 50. That would be totally maxing it out. Your employer can put in a little bit more on top of that if they're doing a company match. I recognize not everybody is maxing out their 401k. So for example's sake, let's pretend we're putting in $20,000 per year over our time frame. Maybe pretend that's 15,000 from you and 5,000 from your employer. So we're starting at 200,000. We're putting in on average 20,000 combo between you and your company. And now we need to make some assumptions for what the growth rate is. I'm going to use 7%. Don't freak out. At least it's not 12% like Dave Ramsey does, which in my humble opinion is a little aggressive. Uh, but that also means that 7% nominal you know, that's before inflation, that you're likely going to be more risk-oriented or stock-oriented. But hey, guys, just an example. And uh, so what are we solving for? The length of time it's going to take for us, and that is 14 years. Yep, in 14 short years, you're going to go from $200,000 to a million dollars. Now, let's pretend we're at that stage. We need to talk timing, taxes, and tools, our three Ts. So timing-wise... You can't use this money until age 60. Er, the IRS puts a limit on this. Remember, if you take money out prior to age 59 and a half, by the way, why is it 59 and a half? What a random age. Anyways, if you take money out early, it's a 10% penalty on top of the taxes. So timing-wise, you need to wait at least until you're age 60. Now, you don't have to take it out at age 60. You do have to take it out at age 70, even if you don't need the money. That's another thing to know. So timing-wise likely start to use this money between age 60 and age 70. The taxes, well, it's all ordinary income because you've gotten a tax deduction as you've been saving along and it's growing tax deferred in there and it's accumulating compounded. So the taxes to this is likely going to be one of your highest tax uh, taxed assets, uh, unfortunately, and it's going to be at your ordinary income and uh, of course, you don't know what that it's going to be. So at the start of the year, you'll just need to make an assumption about what your income is going to be. You can say, well, I've got X number of income coming from this asset, and I've got Y numbers of income coming from that asset. And so with those two things combined, plus distributions from my 401k or my IRA, my income is going to be, let's just pretend, uh, $230,000 a year. And based on that, I'm going to back into an ordinary income tax bracket and then apply that tax rate to my distributions from my 401k. <laughs> you with me there? Uh, I know that was a lot. So taxes, just remember, you're going to pay ordinary income, which means for those people thinking that their tax rate is going to be lower at retirement, ooh, I'm going to... I'm going to say probably unlikely, so we need to adjust our expectations there. Okay, let's talk about the tools that are available for your retirement account. Well, one tool that it's not going to be available for is anything between your age now and age 60. Otherwise, you're going to pay a heap in taxes, and I wouldn't suggest that. So it's not going to be used for a purchase of some other asset or liability. You're not going to be buying, hopefully, a car or boat with it. We're not going to be buying a rental property. Um, so what you could use it for, in my humble opinion, the best case scenario is simply a replacement of your paycheck once you're transitioning out of full-time work 
into some more financial independence or some more freedom time. So what that might look like is you've got a million or more saved in the 401k, you're over age 60, you're no longer getting a paycheck from the corporation, and you want your assets to replace your paycheck, the 401k is going to be a great way to just take simply monthly payments of an equal dollar amount, let's just say $5,000, And that will be part of your spending money in the future. So the tool is just a replacement of your paycheck. Awesome. We covered retirement, our first million-dollar asset, the timing taxes and tools. Now let's move on to stock investments. Now this is a broad category. This could be your company stock or it could be cash bonuses or just a diversified mix of savings. But the key point is that this is non-retirement money, meaning it's outside the 401k and IRA. And you've accumulated and saved this and invested in various, uh, various things. So what does it take to get to a million dollars in your non-retirement accounts? Again, we're going to use a bunch of assumptions here. So hopefully that provides a basic framework for you to plug in your personal situation. Let's use the similar dollar amounts to our 401k example. One big difference is going to be that we're not going to be growing this money on a tax-deferred compounded basis. So the implications of that, if we pretended before we grew money at 7%, In this example, that might be closer to, let's say, 5%. So we're going to discount the rate of return, knowing that we're going to have to pay a little bit of taxes along the way, and that'll increase our cost basis. So one takeaway for this is that all things being equal, it's going to take a longer period of time to get to that $1 million in the non-retirement accounts. The only way to get around that would be if the dollar amount of savings is much greater, more than as opposed to $20,000, maybe it's $30,000 or $50,000 or even more. And I've seen that through things like RSUs or large cash bonuses. So whatever the situation is, you need to be considering what your roadmap is based on your career of how to save a million dollars in retirement accounts and either know if you're going to be saving less than the 20000 that it's going to take a little bit longer or if you're getting large RSUs that that might end up being quicker than the 401k. So let's move to the timing, taxes, and tools. Well, the timing of this money, let's say you've accumulated a million dollars here, and um, let's pretend actually that that's been accomplished prior to age 60. So the timing of this, unlike the 401k, you'd be able to use this money regardless of your age, and that's a neat thing. So also timing-wise, assuming this is invested in a range of stocks or diversified investments. Most often, if you need the money, you could go to your brokerage or online dashboard, sell the investment, and within a period of two to three days, have that money settled and move it off to your banking account. So the turnaround time might be fairly short. Let's call it even uh, maybe a, a week to 10 days. Taxes for the second component of this. There's two components to think about. One is short term capital gains, which would be defined as buying and selling within a rolling 12 month period. And the tax implication would be a little bit higher because it'll be taxed at your ordinary income bracket. 
versus long-term capital gains. So buying and holding for over a rolling 12-month period before you sell. And that would be a long-term capital gains taxed at a slightly lower rate, depending on your state and situation. So the taxes might be slightly more favorable compared to the 401k, definitely uh, have the opportunity to be a lot more favorable. Uh, as a, again, reminder here, the tax-wise, because uh, let's take that $200,000 and let's pretend you're in a fund, either an ETF or a mutual fund, it's likely going to be that you're going to have distributions from that mutual fund, either cap gains or dividends. So we need to assume that you're going to be paying a little bit in taxes from your growth over the course of a year. So it won't be simply that you've got $200,000 as your starting point and a million dollars as your ending point. And when you sell that you're going to have cap gains on the whole thing. No, you'll have likely paid a lot uh, in taxes over that time frame before you eventually sell and use it. Which brings us to the tools. What are you going to use this money for? Well, this is the more exciting thing. Tools, obviously, you get to use this money for day-to-day purchases. If you have to update your house, or maybe even upgrade to a new home, Uh, this non-retirement money is going to be most appropriate. Or maybe you need to get a new car, or you're going to have some educational expenses for your kids. Well, you're going to turn to this bucket of money. Uh, And then again, in the future, if you're at some pace of financial independence, you can either use this as another way to replace your paycheck, or you could invest in a, uh, a small business or hobbies and whatnot. The cool thing is that the tools available to you with this non-retirement bucket of money are going to be a lot more flexible than some of your other assets. And uh, that's something that you need to keep in mind as you're focusing on saving and investing this money for is given that it's so much more flexible from a tool standpoint, what are you going to be using it for? And that That'll, that'll be a conversation you need to have with your financial planner about risk tolerance, you know, where your 401k might be, you know, riskier, let's say, because you know for sure you've got a longer time horizon. Uh, this pool of money, you might have different buckets. You've got a slightly lower rate of return or risk profile for some bucket of money for a, a use in, you know, three to five years, or you've got a higher uh, risk tolerance with a bucket of money that you know you're not going to use for maybe 10 years. So lots of flexibility. That's great. Let's move on to our third and final piece, real estate. And let's go to some basic calculations of how to get to a million dollars in equity in real estate. I also want to bifurcate here a primary home versus an investment property. So when I think of a financial planning model, and I think about you in the future utilizing some different assets that you have, more often than not, to play it conservative, I am not going to think about the equity that you have in your home, because obviously you need to live somewhere. Now, you may be moving out of state and uh, doing some traveling, or you might be downsizing to a smaller home. And if that's the case, sure, you could incorporate that equity into your financial plan. But if we're thinking about a million dollars in real estate, I'm almost only thinking about investment properties. That's right. I'm not thinking about your primary home. So what does it take to get a million dollars in equity in your investment property? Clearly, we're going to need to use a lot of assumptions again here. And on the one hand, we can run a model for a simple mortgage payoff calculation for, let's say, a 30-year loan and uh, having some rent to cover the mortgage. 
Uh, but you could also think about appreciation of the land and structure and make some assumptions there on your equity growth. Either way, before we do a calculation, I can't stress enough that the biggest difference is going to be the use of leverage. And when it's good, it's going to feel really good. And when leverage goes bad, it goes really bad. So obviously, I'm not advocating for this to be an exact game plan. And you may need to seek out a, pers- a professional advisor in, in the real estate space. But I'm recognizing that in California, there are a lot of real estate investors. And this certainly will be a common asset that people will achieve a million dollars or more in equity. So it's impossible to know exactly how long it'll take, but again, maybe at the longest end, if we do a 30-year mortgage, it'll take 30 years. <laughs> if we do a calculation of a million-dollar home, 20% down, that's $200,000. With today's type interest rates of four and a quarter, then the mortgage payment is going to be about $4,000 a month. You tack on some taxes and insurance, and let's say all in, you're probably around 5300 per month. So it might take uh, income of 5300 a month for 30 years, and boom, you got a million dollars there. But we all know it may not take that long if the home value appreciates, and let's just say in a few years, handful of years, uh, it goes from a million dollars to uh, being available to be sold for $1.3 million. Well, man, you've gone... A, a significant potential gain there, pre-tax gain, I should say, and now your equity has gone from two hundred thousand to five hundred thousand. If you were to sell a home for one point three million or more, again before taxes and uh, paying the agent and so forth, so that could potentially be, on the other hand, a really quick way to get to a million dollars. Well, since we've done the calculation, let's think about timing, taxes, and tools with this money. So timing wise, equity in this property obviously is not liquid. So you can't just sell it like a stock and uh, take it out within a week's process. No, I'm sure you've seen people in your own neighborhood where they think it's a hot market and three months goes by and not a single bite. So in terms of uh, this money really needs to be a long-term perspective. You cannot bank on the appreciation of the home and need to think much more long-term. Taxes, hmm, we're going to start to get really complex really quick. So I defer to your tax advisor or CPA. Uh, on the one hand, while you have it, uh, you'll have some lots of tax benefits and some depreciation and all of that. And later on, assuming that you sell, and if you were to just cash out, let's say, you'll have some long-term capital gains and depreciation recapture. So, but as opposed to, again, our example, the 401k, there's potentially some more favorable tax implications with this. And tools. Well, the biggest tool inherent in this example is simply the leverage. Another tool is uh, maybe diversification from your standard uh, capital market investments that you'd have in a 401k or brokerage account. But even beyond that, just thinking again, as we have about you being 60 or so or experiencing a time of financial independence, this could be either seen as a tool that's just too big of a hassle to deal with and you don't want to be a landlord or pay a property manager. So it could be seen as a huge hassle depending on your personality or life stage. But 
It could also be seen as a way to incorporate more monthly income uh, into your life, or maybe even just to provide for your family and heirs down the line uh, and have homes for them or properties for them. Boom. There you go. Each $1 million is so different. And we covered a lot today between retirement accounts, brokerage accounts, and real estate. We covered the timing, the taxes, and the tools. Oh, man. Beyond all of this, as always, it's so important for you to be introspective about the life that you desire. And that's another big takeaway here. And, and the impact that you want to have on your family and your community in 15 and 20 years. Again, start with, starting with the end in mind. And then you get to work with your financial planner and work backwards to map out a saving and investing strategy. With that, we'll wrap it up. I, I would love your feedback. You can catch me easiest on LinkedIn, or you can shoot me an email at john.chapman at WPWM. And we'll see you here next week. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to The John Chapman Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. We encourage your questions, comments, and feedback. For additional information, check out thejohnchapmanshow.com or look for John on LinkedIn and Twitter. See you next week.